This is Brand and New from the International Trademark Association. This podcast series explores changes and dynamics in the legal world, now and tomorrow, with a focus on intellectual property. Welcome to Brand and New. I am Audrey Dove. A frightening new threat cascades around the world, upending familiar routines, disrupting the global economy, and endangering lives. While all multi-layered impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic have yet to unfold, we already know that we are experiencing a major health crisis with significant global economic and social fallouts. Our guest today, Peter McAleese, is a partner with the intellectual property firm Akron, based in Rome, Italy, which is one of the nation's worst hit by the pandemic. Peter deals mainly with trademark prosecution and consulting, as well as litigation support for Italian and international clients. In addition, Peter has been a member of the Italian Institute of Trademark Attorneys since 2005. He is also the co-chair of INTS European Global Advisory Council and a member of the Right of Publicity Committee. In this very special episode, we discuss with him what it means to him to be a lawyer in such trying times, specific legal risks to be on the watch for, and how to keep going while trying to mitigate effects of the crisis and with a certain level of resilience. Peter, welcome to Brennan New, and thank you so much for carving out some time to chat with us. Thank you, Audrey. It's a pleasure. Peter, I would like to ask you a simple question to start this episode. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing well, thank you. And, and so is everyone in my family and my friends are all well. And so too is everyone at the firm. So uh, we're very thankful for that. Now, I, I won't pretend for one moment that, um, that I haven't had bad moments over the last month because I certainly have. You know, our, our daily lives and routines were just turned upside down so quickly. And we were, we were literally catapulted into this really surreal situation that we couldn't have imagined even uh, in late February. But when you look at what's happening all around you, um, I have close friends who are doctors on the front line. Well, then, you know, uh, my, my own occasional frustration just pales into insignificance. So, so far, mm -hmm. so good. How do you navigate the current health crisis within your firm? Well, I would say that we are quite lucky because being a young and relatively small firm with a very uh, streamlined organizational structure, we certainly don't have to worry about any of our staff not having something to do at this time. We took the decision at a relatively early stage of the crisis to cut the number of staff physically present in our office by 50%. That was in order to reduce the risk of infection. Firstly, we allowed those who travel by public transport to work from home. Then as the crisis worsened and the emergency measures came into effect and became more and more restrictive, we gradually all retreated to remote working. Mm -hmm. And um, of course, technology allows us to do that without major disruption because our database management system is a cloud-based and we can all remotely access our firm's network through our VPN. So, um, you know, we, we are able to, it's business as usual, although I suppose the, the coffee breaks aren't the same. Indeed. Violent major crises such as the one we are living right now trigger a whole lot of additional risks for companies. In particular, IP assets, may be jeopardized by side effects such as contract breaches, black markets, or alternative distribution channels. There are also new counterfeiting issues, data breaches, and communications mishandling. What are for you, Peter, 
the hidden risks businesses should be on the watch for these days. And do you have any piece of advice to better protect their IP assets now and in the near future? Well, I, I think, Audrey, you've touched on a, a lot of points. There are a lot of very good points. And IP assets are certainly very vulnerable at this time. Obviously, contract breaches are going to be one of the first issues that IP lawyers and all lawyers are going to have to deal with in the near future. And many of us are actually dealing with them already. One of the most obvious side effects in terms of IP assets are delayed or, or, or missing royalty payments from licenses. Just yesterday, I, I was on the WIPO website taking a look at their guidelines on trademark licensing, and in particular on the issue of the force majeure clause, um, which is sometimes called impossibility of performance or the uncontrollable circumstance clause. And it's defined uh, in the WIPO document as the clause that usually provides that parties will be relieved of their obligations to perform under the license if it is impossible to do so because of unforeseen and uncontrollable circumstances such as fires, wars, floods, labor disruption, government intervention, terrorist acts, and so forth. Now, incidentally, there's nothing in there about epidemics or pandemics, but I think it's, it's, you know, it's reasonable to observe that the coronavirus pandemic and the, the consequent global lockdown, which of course is a government intervention, mm -hmm. is certainly an unforeseen and uncontrollable circumstance. And that could trigger the application mm -hmm. of a force majeure clause in a contract if, if such a clause has been expressly included. That's not to say that if there's no force majeure clause in a contract, then there's no remedy. And, you know, what is happily emerging, at least in this early phase, is a clear willingness on all sides to negotiate and find mutually acceptable solutions in the hope of, you know, good future business relations. And it's fair to say that the whole world is affected by this crisis. Every party to a contract is part of a bigger chain. There's a global domino effect, but I think that there's, there's a collective desire for continuity that at the moment seems to be prevailing over self-interest. So I think um, my advice is that you know contractual parties need to discuss the situation in which they find themselves and look for practical and reasonable solutions. You touched on other points as well, for example, you know the risks to, to IP assets and of course income deriving from IP is subject to taxation and tax relief is going to be one of the tools that governments will use to deal with this crisis. So a hidden risk for IP assets may be, you know, that of falling into the wrong tax regime at this time when, when they're already under severe pressure. There's also been some discussion recently about the possible application of Article 31 of the TRIPS agreement covering compulsory licenses, and that exonerates a, a WTO member from its general obligation to recognize patent rights in the case of a national emergency or other circumstances of extreme urgency. It remains to be seen if and to what extent this will actually occur, but um, a WTO member could uh, set up a mechanism for producing pharmaceuticals and having them distributed at a lower cost without having to negotiate licenses with pharmaceutical companies. So that's, that's a potential risk to IP assets. I think you also mentioned black markets. In Italy, we joke about how quickly the street vendors are able to change supply to meet demand, um, and in particular, how, how roses turn into umbrellas when it starts to rain. And given the current demand for personal protective equipment, um, I think it's inevitable that counterfeiters like the street vendors will quickly turn their attention away from some products to focus on others. And they'll be taking advantage of increased online, online demand at a time when the authorities are stretched and, and have greater difficulty in detecting illicit trade, especially if it originates domestically and does not pass through, through customs. 
I mean, I could go on. You spoke about data breaches. My kids are currently schooling online. They're using three different video conferencing facilities. Two out of three of those have already been subject to data breaches. And just this week, one of the platforms was subject to a what's called a DDoS, a distributed denial of service cyber attack, which made it unavailable to users. And some brands have been enjoying overnight success or, or new popularity due to the sudden increase in demand for online conferencing and schooling. But of course, a, a data breach such as these can do untold damage to their goodwill and reputation. A couple of other points in terms of hidden risks. I think IP teams need to be very careful about marketing claims in this period, playing with the consumer's fear of the virus in advertising in order to influence their purchasing decisions is something which could fall foul of misleading advertising or other legal provisions aimed at protecting consumers. And we know that marketing claims are not always subject to the approval of IP lawyers since marketing departments don't always perceive the risk. So I think that IP teams need to be very proactive at this time and make sure that the marketing and business divisions appreciate this heightened risk and, and avoid making claims that can't be substantiated with reliable studies and facts and figures. You, have, you, have you seen some examples already that raise your attention on this? No, I, no, no examples spring to mind, but I think you spoke earlier about communications mishandling. And, you know, we've been inundated with information and misinformation over the last number of weeks. And I think the brand owners are really walking on eggshells at the moment in terms of their communications. But you know, on a positive note, you know, I, I, some of them have really stood out for intelligence and creative communications. And, I, you know, a few examples spring to mind. I think it's okay for me to mention them. Some famous brands have used their logos to promote social distancing. Um, I'm not sure if you've seen any of those, but for example, McDonald's in Brazil separated the arches of their um, the yellow M. Uh, mm -hmm. Coca-Cola Coca increased the space between their letters. Uh, Audi separated its four rings, which usually intersect. Volkswagen did the same thing with its uh, VW logo. And Miss Chiquita, she completely disappeared from her bananas because she's staying at home. <laughs> Peter, when businesses have, are affected by a major crisis, law firms are not exempt. And what are the best practices law firms may implement? And how do you manage your teams and clients when everyone has to work from home and when a significant part of the world population is confined? In terms of best practices, I think that here in Southern Europe and Italy, we, we're slightly behind our friends and colleagues in Northern Europe, particularly in the UK and Ireland, um, but also the USA, where working remotely was already standard practice. And it's very often part and parcel of an employment contract. And that enables some staff, especially, but not only parents, to work from home one or two days a week. And um, I think that that now needs to become best practice the world over because You know, more than ever during this crisis, we're seeing how performance and productivity cannot be equated to the amount of time spent in the office. Now, as a firm, we were already paper light, and I'm hoping that after this emergency, we will finally become paperless, which is, uh, I would call that one small step for man, but one giant leap for lawyer. <laughs> so um, again, that's a best practice, which probably is already um, commonplace in many countries, less so in others. In terms of managing teams and clients, um, that is, that's definitely a challenge when everyone is working from home and, uh, and everyone is working from home in, in different circumstances. I think it's all about checking in regularly with your colleagues and your partners 
and your clients. And that's that could be by a video call, it can be a phone call, it can be an instant messaging. And I think it's important not to be afraid to empathize with them because we're all human beings, first and foremost. Our vulnerability has never been as evident as it is now. Do you expect that some of these changes uh, to last beyond the pandemic as some form of acceleration of the legal industry, digital transformation, so a shift to a more remote workforce or generalization of e-filing to all court systems and maybe uh, many other examples? In terms of the, the changes that will last beyond the pandemic, I was reflecting this week on the, looking back uh, to the turn of the millennium, uh, whenever the term paradigm shift was in vogue. And that was, at, back then, it was often a, a reference to the internet or mobile telephony. Then, of course, at the beginning of the millennium, we had the, we had acts of terrorism and wars and financial meltdowns. And those also represented turning points for the global community. But, but I think that what we're going through at the moment, this current crisis, is the mother of all paradigm shifts. And it remains to be seen what the world will look like after this. You know, I would say the digital transformation of the legal industry is already part of the new normality. I think of, in particular, of my, my criminal lawyer colleagues, and they travel the length and breadth of Italy on a regular basis for a 20-minute hearing before a judge. You know, surely now there is compelling and overwhelming arguments for video conferencing for this type of hearing. I've already mentioned, you know, what I think about remote working and as regards e-filing, I think within reason and maybe subject to some limited exceptions, we need as a as a global IP community to start stigmatizing trademark offices or courts that allow online filings yet still insist upon receiving original copies of documents. INTA is a global association representing more than 30,000 brand owners and professionals dedicated to supporting trademarks and related intellectual property to foster consumer trust, economic growth, and innovation. While lawyers have the reputation to be risk-adverse, do they need to have, in your view, Peter, a more pragmatic approach to their clients' interests, given that risks are just everywhere all the time? I'm not sure if you if you ever heard the famous quote by Franz Kafka. No? He, um, the famous novelist, he once said that uh, a lawyer is a person who writes a 10,000 word document and calls it a brief. <laughs> Traditionally, lawyers have been risk adverse, but particularly in the IP sector, I think we're becoming less and less risk adverse because companies are constantly looking for more business oriented advice. Our clients are more empowered than they were before, so they have access to, to tools and to information that they didn't have access to before. So they're in a much better position to, to judge um, how we are performing. Um, so I think that definitely nowadays, lawyers need to have a more pragmatic approach and um, they just need to make sure that they write 10,000 word disclaimers. How can we as lawyers or as citizens uh, be resources to support those who most need help during health, financial, economic, or environmental crisis. Uh, Peter, do you have any pro bono initiative attorneys could reach out to or any initiative you would like to promote? Well, Audrey, you know, you've completely played into my hands with this question because um, as a professional community, um, we at uh, the International Trademark Association have launched the Community Cares COVID-19 donation campaign. And then 
I'm very pleased to have been able to make a small contribution to organizing this campaign. And that is going to fund the uh, purchase and distribution of masks and other personal protective equipment to public hospitals or non-profit organizations. Um, or contribute money to local charitable organizations which assist healthcare institutions and the public in dealing with the coronavirus. So um, donations can be made on the INTA website, and that's that's one initiative I'm very happy to promote. And I'm, I'm not sure if it's appropriate in reply to this question, but I, I just want to mention the support and the solidarity that we in Italy have received from our colleagues and friends in China who had to face this crisis before us. Their, their generosity has been overwhelming and they have been sending us masks and PPE equipment that we've been able to use ourselves and to distribute, not only in the firm, but also to, to friends who are doctors. So the support and solidarity of the Inter community has been a, a, a real shining light in these dark times. And I, I hope that maybe when we are over the worst of it in Italy, we will be able to do the same for countries who are behind us, let's say, in, in dealing with, with this virus. And we are all very much humbled by the global outbreak of the coronavirus, uh, as we said earlier. And we all have to reassess our decisions, even the more mundane one, uh, ones on the daily basis. What lessons did you learn recently that you would like to share with our listeners? And is resilience a quality lawyers cultivate and train enough to face crises like the one we are living right now? In terms of lessons learned, I would say never forget that we are now part of interdependent global community. In January of this year, we read about coronavirus in China. That was a long way away, um, mm -hmm. far removed from where we were. And it was only in late February when, when Northern Italy began to be seriously affected that I began to pay attention. It, you know, it took full lockdown for me to appreciate the seriousness of this matter. And I think that You know, as I say, remembering that we're part of this interdependent global community will help us maybe in the future to to foresee um, potential knock on effects like the one which has been caused by by this coronavirus. I'll probably be speaking to our insurance broker about business disruption insurance after this as well, although thankfully the disruption to our to our business has been relatively uh, minimal to date. As regards resilience, I, I have to say that I think that IP lawyers are generally resilient. That's, you know, due to the global nature of our profession. And it's it's literally 24-7. In Europe, we wake up and we have all those emails from Asia Pacific in our inboxes. Um, very often in the latter part of the evening, we're corresponding in real time with our clients and colleagues in the USA. Uh, even on holidays, we tend to be on call and checking emails. And, you know, when was the last time any of us really switched off? So I think that as as a profession, we're probably more resilient and better prepared than others, at least at least in the in the IP world. And looking ahead with hope and confidence, even in very dark times, crises have always been a trigger for innovation. Peter, what's your view on the dynamics between crises and innovation? And do you think major crises ultimately impact the way IP lawyers practice and deliver services to their clients? Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, Audrey, that, you know, um, crisis like this one have always been a trigger for innovation. And the, the dynamics between those two is incredible. And we're seeing that already in how people with the help of technology are completely reinventing their, their daily lives and routines. I mean, just to give you one example, here in Italy, we now have an app 
which provides real-time information on the queues at local supermarkets. And, you know, if I um, rewind to six weeks ago, this is an app which would have had little or no appeal whatsoever. And now it's probably one of the most downloaded apps. Things like online virtual museum visits have become very popular. So, you know, I, I have total faith in humankind's ability to find innovative solutions to, to new problems. And it's um, inevitable that the way IP lawyers practice and deliver services to their clients will change. And, you know, the most obvious, simple change in the short term will be fewer face-to-face -face meetings and greater use of conferencing technology. That's, that's for sure. I now have a few rapid-fire questions for you, Peter. The first one is, can you name a word that would summarize the last decade and the one you expect for the decade that has just begun? Just one word? <laughs> That's pretty tough, but um, I would say for the, the decade that has just ended, the word which would sum it up is change. And in terms of the decade which has just begun, you know, based on what we know about it so far, <laughs> I think the word has to be unprecedented. Hmm. Is there any particular lesson uh, drawn from the global health crisis that we could use to more adequately address the environmental crisis? We've been talking so much about climate change over the last uh, few months and years. Is there anything you, you would like to mention? Well, that's, you know, that's very true. And before COVID-19, I mean, climate change and the environment was the hot topic and you know Greta Thunberg was time person of the year and we were plastic in our oceans was was headline news every single day and you know just just to give you a, a small example of the immediate impact on the environment of this lockdown I, I've been visiting a town called Pescara on the Adriatic coast of Italy for the last 23 years now the emblem of the local football team there is a dolphin because that is harking back to the days when you know you could regularly see dolphins in that part of the sea which is the the sea which divides italy and croatia in 23 years i'd never seen a dolphin in pescara except for the uh the fluffy mascot that walks around the local football stadium before kickoff on the match days and last sunday dolphins were spotted swimming close to the shore near the center of town and when i when i saw that video it just It says a lot. It, it, it's like as human beings retreat, other forms of nature seem to be taking back the planet. And there's an Italian saying, um, not all bad things come to harm. So, you know, the lesson for me as an inhabitant of this planet and as a trademark attorney is that the coexistence agreement between humankind and all other forms of nature must be urgently renegotiated. And I think this is a a silver lining of what is otherwise a devastating emergency. Do you have a piece of advice to help lawyers overcome the challenging periods ahead? Yeah, don't miss the deadlines. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm kidding because, of course, you don't need to tell lawyers not to miss deadlines. My advice is, is very simple. I, I would, yeah, at least this is what I'm trying to do. Just have at least one thing to look forward to each day. It may be physical exercise. It may be watching an episode of your favorite TV series, practicing a musical instrument, reading a chapter of a book, um, as long as it's not a law book. And above all, you know, take good care of your mental health. I think that if you if you look after your mind, well then, to a large extent, the, the body will take care of itself. Thank you very much, Peter. Thank you, Audrey. 
My guest today was Peter McAlee's partner with the Italian intellectual property firm Akron, based in Rome. Thank you for listening to Brand and New, brought to you by the International Trademark Association. Be sure to tune in every two weeks on Tuesday for new episodes. If you like today's podcast, please subscribe and share it. We are always looking for new people to discover brand and new. And to learn more about INTA, its resources and events, please visit www.inta.org.